This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, good to see all of you tonight. Thank you so much for being here. I want to welcome those of you that are watching by internet. We're also glad that you can be a part of the service. So hopefully you got a Bible there, a device that you're going to get out, and we're going to get into the Word of God, and we're going to get blessed as a result of it. Praise God. The entrance of His Word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Hallelujah. Thank God for His Word. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you will come to know the truth. And thank God the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. I was thinking about it today. I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, the truth is under attack. (laughs) Have you noticed? I mean, some of the most common sense things in the world all of a sudden are no longer common sense. And I'm thinking to myself, dear Lord Jesus, what has happened here, you know? uh, I've seen some news feed, you know, thumbing through something. Some gal was talking about that she thought it was proper and right that the poor should be able to go ahead and rob stores for whatever it is that they need. I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? Literally, I mean, I, I, I would like to say that that's probably the case. huh? Well, anyway, so, uh, you know, the interesting thing about it is, you know, you, you, you can't even make this stuff up. But Jesus did say that in the last days that people, because they don't, or they choose not to retain God in their knowledge, that God turns them over to a reprobate or a mind void of judgment. They, 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 they don't know right from wrong, man. I mean, it's just like they're in no man's land. But thank God for the word. Thank God for the truth, because the truth sets us free. Thank God. So here's the thing. Uh, I guess the, uh, the, 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 the mantra or the watchword is, praise God, don't ever let the word of God uh, depart from you or the truth. Amen? Was that me? Nope, wasn't me. All right, praise God. Y'all bring a Bible with you? Let's open our Bibles. First John chapter 1, first epistle of John. Um, not the gospel of John, but first John chapter 1. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, I hope you all had a great uh, weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And um, we had an opportunity, of course, you know, just to recognize people that have, men and women, that have given their lives in the uh, line of duty. And uh, uh, I'm so thankful for that because we enjoy such grace and blessing in our lives because of what they did. And uh, some of us, you know, here we are down the road quite a ways, but we're still enjoying the freedoms that they were willing to uh, give their lives for. And uh, I'm thankful for every one of them. Praise God. Amen. I mean, what a life we have. What a life we've been given. What it is that we've been entrusted with. So let's be good stewards of it. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's pray and then we'll get into the word tonight. Father, thank you again for this time that we have together. I thank you again, Father God, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord God, for the Spirit of God that is in each and every one of us to quicken or to make alive, Father, that which is found within your word. And so we thank you tonight, Father God, that there'll be instruction, there will be knowledge, there will be wisdom that is granted unto each and every one of us with regard to our personal lives. And we just thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we've heard of him. 
speaking of Jesus, and we declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, as you know, we've been, it's been our ambition this year to really work at seeing our congregation become rooted and, and grounded, not only in their relationship with God, but uh, what they believe, why you believe it. You know, it's, well, I believe like they do. Well, that, that, that don't work. You know, you got to decide for yourself why you believe what you believe. Are you listening to me? And live with that kind of a conviction. You know, the Bible says that as we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we are to walk in Him. Now, walk is a figure of speech. It means you know, figuratively to have a manner of life or to conduct ourselves in a certain kind of way. So he says, as you have then received Christ as Lord, so walk ye in him rooted and grounded, built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding there with thanksgiving. How many are glad for the Bible tonight? Praise God. And then in another place, we read this last, well, maybe two weeks ago now because Pastor Glenn was in the pulpit. But, you know, when Jehoshaphat was encouraging the nation of Israel, actually Judah, you know, and uh, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, he made this statement. He said, believe in the Lord your God. In other words, believe what it is that God has said, and you will be established. Now, if we choose not to believe like Thomas, you know, except I see and and feel and all this, I will not believe. Well, then you're just in no man's land because the Bible says we we walk by faith and not by sight. So we are required in our relationship with God to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of you know tonight every word that has escaped the lips of our Father is true? Hallelujah. So he said, believe in the Lord your God or what it is that he said and you will be established. What he said about you, what it is that he's done, who you are in Christ, what it is that Jesus provided for you. You know, when the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, you're redeemed. Okay, now you may never live that out. You may never experience the redemption that's in Christ Jesus because of lots of things. Uh, uh, negligence, it could be just ignorance or, you know, lack of knowledge or whatever the, uh, the, the, the case may be. But the truth is that Jesus went to the cross, paid the price and the penalty 2,000 years ago so that you could live a redeemed life. Amen. Praise God. So he says, believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established, believe his prophets, and you will prosper. So the prosperity and the establishment of our lives is predicated upon what you and I choose to believe or what it is that we decide to do with the word of God. You know, I mentioned to you that I was uh, I looked at this newsletter, and uh, in the newsletter, they were making an appeal, and they said, help us to, to help heal and uh, something else, the families with the knowledge of God. So the reality is, is that if I'm going to help, it doesn't make any difference who, if it's, it's Zach and Jen, or if it's Doug, or whoever the case might be, if I'm going to help you, the only thing I've got is the knowledge of God, what God said about the circumstance that you find yourself to be in. I don't have anything else. 
okay? But the truth is that his word is true. So, so if I can get you to believe that and then act on it, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they, they got um, real issues in their lives. I mean, they, 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 their lives are jaded because of offenses and things that have happened in their past. And, and so they live under the tyranny of that. Well, so you come along and say, listen, you don't have to live your life that way. Jesus came and gave his life so that you could be free from whatever, you know, unforgiveness, uh, envy, uh, jealousy, whatever. But, but the thing, what happens so often is, is that instead of believing and accepting that and choosing to walk in the light of it and believe it, we allow our feelings to dictate what's going to happen in our lives. And, and now I'm not saying the feelings aren't powerful because they really are. But here's the truth about it. It doesn't make any difference how powerful they are. God's living word is more powerful if you choose to walk in the light of that word. How many believe that tonight? So he said, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Another verse of scripture we made reference to in Isaiah 119 says that if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And we all want to do that, right? I mean, don't you want you, you know, just to enjoy life and to be at peace and have your kids, you know, be functional and, and all of the different kinds of things and, and let, I mean, they bring such joy to our lives. Hallelujah. That's God's intent. But we have to be willing and obedient. What are we being willing and obedient to? What it is that God has said. Now, we all have choice. I mean, the right of choice belongs to each and every one of us. We can choose to believe the Bible or we can say, well, no, I don't think so. You know, that's not my experience. That's not what somebody told me. That's not what I want to believe. You know, your prerogative. But at the end of the day, when it comes right down to it, praise God, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So you might as well conform. And that's, I mean, at the end of the day, you guys, come on. I mean, at the end of the day, the real issue is whether I'm going to submit myself to what he said. That's all. Okay, don't get all grouchy on me. Just smile and say, you know, he's really right. I don't like here. It's, it's true. You know, we either submit, you know, in Proverbs, when Solomon was writing, he said, my son, if you will receive what it is that I'm telling you, well, you have to, you have to be open, yielding to the counsel of God. Isn't that right? You know, this is the third day of June. Are you guys all reading chapter three today? Huh? You're supposed to be reading one a day, 31 days. You're going to have to double up at the end of the month, but you'll be all right. Praise God. So here, you know, the, what I want to talk to you about tonight, does this have anything to do with me? <clears throat> what I want to talk to you about tonight is making room. Everybody say making room. Making room for God's influence in your life. Make room, you know, for his influence in your life. When we have guests over, for example, Joan will say, hey, I need you to help me pull out the table. And, and then, you know, she, she gets our little robo thing going, you know, or whatever that, you know, vacuum, you know, it's running all over the place and getting everything cleaned up. And she's positioning things and she's in the kitchen and she said, what's she doing? She, she's making accommodation or she's making room for the guests that are coming to our home. God wants you to make room for him. 
Now, the reason that I uh, emphasize that is, is because we live in a world where he gets so crowded out. And I don't, it's not, I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, intentional, you know, but, but here's the facts. All of us, in one way or another, are being influenced every day of our lives by something, good or bad, you know. And so then it just becomes a question of, you know, and the thing you have to realize, you guys, is, is that your heart, that's why the Bible says guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. And the thing is, is that it's through your mind. Your mind is the target of the God of this world. He wants to capture and control the way you think, okay? So what we have to do, that's why the Bible says, no, don't do that. Resist the devil. Don't buy into the lie. You know, he said, Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. That's what you're after. But you do have to guard your thinking and, and be careful about what it is on a daily basis that's influencing your life, you know, and... Uh, uh, how many of you would agree with that? Yeah, amen. You know, I, but again, it's, it's your thought life, it's your mind that is the target. I was just uh, in thinking about this in relation to, you know, just uh, protecting uh, our thought life and things like that. Remember when, um, when Hamas was starting to lob all these uh, um, rockets from uh, the Gaza Strip into Israel? And did any of you see the footage? I mean, it was amazing. I mean, they're just, I mean, they're just throwing all this stuff at Israel, and it's in the sky coming, you know, and then you see this other, you know, stuff coming from somewhere else, you know, and just picking them off, you know. And I don't know if it was their thought if, we, you know, we could, you know, if we get enough of them up there, maybe something will get through. Well, I, I think that some of them did, but I don't think that it was of much effect or anything. The Iron Dome is what they call it. And uh, it's incredibly effective. It's, it's supernatural, you know, that God would position this little country where it's at and give them the means whereby they can be protected. You know, God said that he would fight for them. Hallelujah. You know, um, I was just listening to someone here talking about... Um, hang on, I'm sorry. Full battery. Everything's tight. Now we'll just try to live with it. Okay. Maybe it's Kathy. Kathy, what are you doing? You doing something back there that we don't know about? All right. Um, anyway, he was talking about in the book of Deuteronomy, you know, when Moses was talking to the nation of Israel in the 20th chapter, it talked about the fact that, you know, if when you get in circumstances where the situation looks as though it's over, you're overwhelmed and that the numbers of the enemy are greater than you and this and that and the other that God will take up for you. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? And when I heard that, I thought, isn't that so true? You know, when everything looks like, you know, it's going the wrong direction and sideways, that God, if, we, if we'll trust him, praise God, he'll take up for us. I mean, he'll do whatever it takes. I mean, if he has to do something, you know, beyond the natural, something supernatural in order to make it happen, He'll do it as long as we trust in him, as long as we look to him.
You know, Jehoshaphat made this alliance with Ahab, you know, and Ahab wanted to go after the Syrians. And, and Jehoshaphat said, well, you know, our people are your people, and so we're with it. But, but let's consult. Let's look to the Lord. Let's ask God about this. Is there a prophet somewhere? And you know the story. There was 400 of them that said, oh, yeah, King, you're the, Ahab, you're the best thing that ever happened. I mean, better than sliced cheese, you know. So, but, but, but Jehoshaphat seen right through that. And he says, isn't there a real prophet in the land? Ahab says, yeah, there's one, but I don't like him. I hate him, he said. And the scripture says I hate him because he never prophesies, you know, what I want him to. You don't want to hear what, what you know, you want to hear. You want to hear the truth. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? So it's important for us, you know, when it comes to this, you know, that we look to the Lord. What's the Lord say about this, you know? I mean, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of other examples in the scriptures. But uh, again, the important thing is to understand that we're being influenced every day in our lives. But the question is, is what are we being influenced by and how much? As we look at the men and women of the Bible, and even our own contemporaries, I mean, people that have lived and passed and went on to be with the Lord, as we see, what we see is, is that those who make God and his word a priority throughout their lives, not just, you know, on the front end, I'm telling you, they walk with God throughout their lives, they ended up experiencing good success and the blessing of God all the days of their life. Doesn't mean that they didn't have challenges. Didn't mean that they didn't have things that they had to deal with. But thank God God was with them and seen them through. And, of course, you know, those that did that, we have that as a record of how God will bless those who follow him. But, of course, the antithesis of that is, is those who choose not to. Everybody say, we have a choice. We have a choice. Praise God. And, and, you know, the thing is, you guys, is all of life, everything in life, all of, all of life is a matter of priorities. It's, it's, it's what's important to you. Uh, are you with me? Now, Jesus wasn't important to me until I met him. And when I gave my heart to him and I knew for the first time in my life he was real, then everything else went, went, went away because I realized that he needed to be in that first position of my life. And I said, yes. You know, Jesus made a similar statement to that. He said, seek first the kingdom, seek first, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Isn't that what he said? Didn't say they'd be taken away. He said they'd be added. So we always keep God in that place of primary priority in our lives. Remember, we're talking about here making room for God's influence in our life. How many of you know we need him? Hallelujah. We need him big time, especially in the world in which we live right now. You know, talking about priorities, there's a scripture uh, in Proverbs 24 and uh, 27. It says, prepare your work outside and get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Isn't that talking about priorities? In other words, take care of the stuff that's important, and then you can, you know, um, make things comfortable for yourself. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, I make it my habit when I make my list of things that I have to do, I always do the things I don't want to do first. You do that? I mean, so maybe some of you do that. You know, because the things that I want to do and I enjoy, I, I leave them for later as a reward. Are you, are you with me? So we do all the ugly stuff first, 
Hallelujah. And then we do the other stuff uh, uh, later. And, and Jesus, <clears throat> in his parable, and we won't take time to go there this evening because we don't have time. Mark chapter 4, you can look at it. The Bible talks about, you know, the sower sows the word. Luke said it this way, the seed is the word of God. So he's talking about this parable, and he's talking about the different conditions of the soil, which is really the soil is the condition of people's hearts. And there's hard, you know, and there's, you know, the thorny, and he describes all these different kinds of soil. But then he talks about the good ground where the seed finds lodging, and it produces some 30, 60, and 100 fold. But what's interesting about that is, is that Jesus talked about uh, in one condition of soil where there are thorns that the people receive the word with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. Actually, this is maybe by the roadside, but anyway, they have no root. In other words, they have no inward conviction. They don't, they don't have any staying power, you know, and so they endure for a while, but then when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, now, some Bible translations say they stumble. Some people, or some translations say they're offended and they fall away. So not, they're no longer in the game. Doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love them. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to heaven, but, but they're not in the game anymore. You know, I'm talking about, you know, the importance for you and I to make room for his influence within our life all the days of our life, not just part of it, you know, you got people that are all over the place, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's so sad because there is a community of faith and believers that God wants them to be engaged in, to be a part of, to uplift one another, to uphold one another, to support one another, to pray with one another and for one another. Hallelujah. How many of you know we need one another? And yet we've got a lot of folk, you know, they're all out there by themselves and God only knows why they, you know, think the way that they think. Well, I can tell you why. Is because the God of this world has skewed things, and um, it's unfortunate. So, in our text, back to our text, First John chapter one, verse five. Notice it says, "This then is the message we've heard of Him and declare to you that God is light, <clears throat> and in Him there is no darkness at all." But He said, "If we say we have fellowship with Him, but we walk in darkness," Then we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then thank God we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, uh, let me make this statement. I mean, to have fellowship, he says, then we have fellowship with him. How, how does that happen? It also talks about walking in the light with God. So to have fellowship with God or to walk in the light with God is to, first of all, discover and then follow what it is that he has said or prescribed within his word. You know, for example, in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says, you know, that we as believers are to put away lying. Okay? So if we're a child of God, lying's not an option. Okay? Now, do people lie? Yeah. <laughs> they lie all over the place, you know. But that's not the way that you and I are to live. The Bible says that we're to provide things honest in the sight of all men. But a lot of times, you know, sometimes lying is 
used essentially because it puts a person at an advantage or we don't want to be embarrassed or there's lots of different reasons. But yet the Bible tells us that he wants us to walk in the light. And walking in the light says we are honest about everything. Can I get a witness? Amen. You know, because that's where the blessing of God is. And it's important for us as believers to know that. So real success in any person's life is based upon what they do with the Word of God. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, you have to ask yourself, am I doing what the Bible says? Am I really genuinely forgiving? You know, am I genuinely and really, you know, not harboring something, you know, ill will or whatever the case might be. It's a real deal. I don't know about you, but I want to win. Amen? So if I have to deal with certain issues, you know, that are emotionally impacting my life, then, then I have to do that. Are you with me? I want you to see this picture. Well, wait a minute. Take it back down again. Can you get that down? Okay. Uh, I'll give you a background here. Um. When I grew up, I grew up in a, uh, in, a, in a home, farming was the occupation. My dad was a farmer. But the unfortunate thing is, is that he was bound by alcohol and a lot of other things, you know, but, but primarily. And, and what ended up happening is, is that because of that, the family suffered. And, you know, because it causes deficiency and lack and all kinds of different, I mean, lots and lots of problems. But I had an uncle. Uncle Ed, and he married my dad's sister, and um, and I can remember as a kid going to their house, and you know you got to understand I lived in a shack, I mean uh, the back porch when you walked in there was no floor joists left so it had a real spongy kind of thing going on you know, and mom's uh, washer was out there I remember that, and then the front porch was kind of dilapidated and fallen in and never got fixed. I mean, I'd, you know, it just would be an embarrassment to me. But, you know, when you're a little kid, you're growing up, you're doing what you do. And, you know, let's go eat some apricots and not worry about it, you know, kind of thing. So, so that was one way. Well, when we went to Uncle Ed and Margaret's house, it was a brick house. And downstairs in the basement, they had tile on the floor and they had a shuffleboard um, thing built into the tile. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And got the little sticks, you know, and you can play shuffleboard in the basement, you know. And they had a big old bear rug, you know, that was there on the, on the floor. And in other words, the home was nice. Upstairs, you know, nicely apportioned, uh, nice furnitures and things of that nature, you know. And here I am, this little kid, you know. And this is my Uncle Ed and Aunt Margaret. And, and then when we got ready to sit down and eat, Uncle Ed would pray. Now, dude. This is way off the, the scale in my world. We don't pray. We're going to what? We're going to pray. I, I was watching him more than I was actually doing the praying thing because it was so foreign to me. Okay? So over the Memorial Day weekend, we're making our rounds to our different family members and things of that nature. Now you can put it up there, Kathy. I'm sorry. And on this, this is the main headstone uh, I should have actually had showed the picture of that. 
that, that headstone is probably, I'd say it's at least eight feet tall. I mean, where it says Olson, and, and it, it runs clear up, and then it's got to square it off, and there's a corn stalk on it, you see, because they were farmers. Now, look at the inscription underneath it, and, and I didn't know anything about this. I just, you know, but look at the inscription. It says, let the favor or the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands for us, yes, the work of our hands establish you it. Now that's King James. On the stone, it's the new, um, new American standard. And it says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Now, as I didn't know anything about, you know, Christianity, all of that. But I'm telling you what, my Uncle Ed feared God. People, most people don't do stuff like that. And this thing sits up on a hill. You can't miss it. I mean, it is huge. And it's their family headstone, of course. And um, the reason that I bring that up is, is that we lived hand to mouth, and sometimes not even that. And we didn't live, we lived poorly, okay? This guy, when he passed away, he transferred thousands of acres of ground to his sons, my cousins, and now his grandsons and even great-grandsons, they farmed thousands of acres on the Missouri Valley bottom. And I believe it's because of that. So I tell you what, praise God, it pays to obey God. It pays to live for God. And this, that my, he was a living example, you know, of that. And uh, I was telling Joan, I said, I know your mother prayed for me a lot. Well, actually, she said he pray, she prayed for me a lot, which is obvious. But I believe my Uncle Ed did too. I think he's seen a little kid that needed Jesus. And I believe I was in his prayers. Now, it may have been with Margaret as well, but, but you get my point, Okay. And uh, so I say all of that, you know, there, there's another uh, verse of Scripture, or that same verse, it's Psalm 90, verse 17 is what it is. But in the New Living Translation, it says, May the Lord our God show us His approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. What, what's my point to that? My point is, is that this must have been a cherished verse because the family is the one who put it on there. But my point to that is, is that he looked to God for help. You know, may his favor rest upon us to do what it is that we do and make it successful. Hallelujah. Another way that we could describe it would be, you know, that, that there was this, this devotion. I mean, he was, he was mindful of God and uh, everyone around him knew that. And so um, his life was blessed as a result. So <clears throat> having said all of that, talking about, you know, this, this idea of making room for God's influence in our lives, um, I think the concern, no, that's not the right way to put it. The admonition or what I want to exhort you 
uh, tonight about is to be cautious um, of the subtle influence of the world that is around you. And, uh, and don't let the world crowd him out of your life. God needs to be a part of your life, you know, all the time. And, and that represents a lot of different things. It may be uh, in your prayer life or your devotion to him, um, uh, different things of that nature. But, but the world, um, everything you look at, just look at it in the natural. Everything you see going on right now in this cancel culture business and everything, they want God out of everything. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's the spirit of anti-Christ. And, and people, whether you believe it or not, are full of the devil. And they're propagating this stuff to basically kill, steal, and to destroy. That's just the way it is. And all I'm telling you to do is don't let them do it. Don't let them have it. You know, because uh, it's everywhere. You know, I used this scripture here sometime back in Second Chronicles 26 and 5 about King Uzziah. It says that he sought God during the days of Zechariah who taught him to fear God. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. How many of you know that as long as you seek God, that he'll give you success? Yeah. You say, well, I ain't got much going on right now. I ain't got, you know, this whole success thing. Well, keep walking with him and he'll, you'll have it. Amen. I mean, our lives are blessed because of that. Now, let's go over to... Um, Let's go over, we got a little time here. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and let's look at another king. Let's look at Saul, King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and um, Saul was the first king of Israel. Uh, Israel wanted a king, and... Um, they felt threatened, and they, they felt like that God wasn't big enough to take care of them, I guess. I, I mean, you know, a lot of different ways you could look at it. So, so they went to the prophet, Samuel, and they said, we want a king. And Samuel says, let God be your king. They said, nope, we want somebody else. We want a physical entity. And uh, so God, you know, so Samuel talked to the Lord about it, and the Lord says, well, give them what they want, but tell them this. He's going to take everything and make, us, make them slaves, Okay. So that's what he said, and Saul was the first one. Now, if you remember the story, the Lord supernaturally had told Samuel about this, about Saul coming, and it, you know, it, it would have looked as though it was coincidence, but it wasn't. It was divine um, um, involvement and engagement. And the Lord spoke to him and said, here's the guy to, to anoint as king. And um, so when, when Samuel approached Saul to be king, he was 30 years old, I think, when he started his reign. He reigned for 42 years. But, um, you know, he looked upon himself as being worthless, one of the smallest uh, tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel, and his family really, you know, had no place or status even within that tribe. But, you know, Samuel said, doesn't make any difference what you think about it. This is what God wants to do. You're going to be the, the king. So when they're getting ready to, to, to uh, install him or whatever, they couldn't find him because he was hidden amongst the stuff and the baggage and whatever. So they drug him out of there, set him up. He became king. And so he ruled. And what's unfortunate about Saul's rule is that 
over time, we're talking about this whole issue of, you know, making room for God in your life, your entire life, okay? And so over time, he um, unfortunately, and, and I don't know necessarily what, what led to it, but obviously he just somewhat decided that he didn't need God, you know, because there were different occasions where instead of waiting for the counsel of God, they were down at Gilgal one time and Samuel said, I'll be there in a week or I'll be there in seven days or whatever the number was. And, uh, but he was a little bit late on arrival and all of the Israel, they were getting ready to go into battle, but they wanted the blessing of God and they were waiting for the prophet to pray and, you know, so on and so forth. Well, he didn't show up. And so the people are bailing on Saul. They're all hitting the road. So he said, well, hey, bring the, bring the sacrifice and I'll do it. Wrong. He had his place as king. There was the prophet, there was the priest, and there was the king. You know, so you don't get, you know, you got to stay in your lane. And he didn't do that because he thought he could do it, you know. And by the time he got all finished up, then here comes Saul or Samuel. He said, what have you done? Well, you know, you weren't around, you know, and blah, 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 blah move real bad move okay well so we go on down the road and then we get into another situation which is in chapter 15 um let's uh oh let's jump in here where um well verse one samuel also said to saul samuel again the prophet said to saul the king the Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which uh, Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when, we, when he came up from Egypt. Now, think about this. God's thinking back to the time when they came out of Egypt and what Amalek had done to the nation of Israel. Now we're a long ways down the road, and God says, we're going to take care of Amalek, because he had prophesied and said that they would, they would be non-existent. So he told uh, Samuel, you all still with me? Okay, so he told King Saul, he says, I want you to obliterate everything, the king and everything, all the livestock, everything, nothing is to remain. We're going to, you know, whatever. Well, so he goes out, and they win the victory, but they took King Agag and brought him back, probably as a boast. You know, hey, look here, you know, we're, we're victorious. And then uh, they brought back all the good stuff as far as the livestock is concerned. Now, when Samuel the prophet pinned the king down, Saul, he says, oh, we were bringing that back so that we could sacrifice it to the Lord. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He did it because the men and the people that were fighting the war wanted to retain those things for their own profit and their own advantage. And that's not what God said. He said, this is a sacrifice to me. You obliterate everything. So with that thought in mind, let's start with verse 9. But Saul said to people, uh, but Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the auction, and of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good, 
and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, well, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel, saying, It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me. It's too bad, isn't it? And has not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. When Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, uh, he set up, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel said, what means then this bleeding of sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, well, they have brought them back from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So what is Saul, do? what's he doing right here? He's, tell, he's blaming the people, huh? And then he's saying, and by golly, we're going to sacrifice him to the Lord. Huh? Notice what he goes on then to say. And uh, <clears throat> verse 16, And Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said to him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou was little in your own eyes, or sight, Wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee as a king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the, or, uh, the, yeah, the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, and did fly upon the spoil, and did us evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, Yeah, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I've, I've gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalite, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. It wasn't me, man. And uh, the sheep, the oxen, chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice than to and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. So the party was over. And we're talking about making room for God in our lives all the days of our lives. Now, you know, as it turns out, uh, Samuel had to go and anoint David, and then there was all the whole thing with Saul trying to <laughs> kill him because, I mean, he had an evil spirit that came and you know, so on and so forth, but eventually David was then king. So <clears throat> I guess that my statement to you this evening as we bring this to a close is that when we allow God to be crowded out of our lives, it always leads to destruction, you know. And so we just need to make sure that, that we're always making room for him. Praise God. We want to have a testimony like Paul's. He said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. He said, I've finished my race. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown. Hallelujah. And not to me only, but to all who love his appearing. So I tell you what, you guys, 
It pays to obey God, doesn't it? And follow Him and live for Him. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, church attendance is declining. Most of you know that, you know, in, in different things. And, and um, you have to ask yourself, why? why? Why is it declining? Have any of you, well, let's just have a little story time here. You know, um, what are some of the things that you've heard why, why people are, um, that they don't attend church? Anybody? I'm sorry? Hypocrites. Okay, yeah. Okay, don't want to be a hypocrite. Is that what you're saying? Oh, people that go to church are hypocrites. Okay, all right. So they don't want to be a part of them. What other? What are some of reasonings that people have? Want to sleep in? Huh? No time. And I've heard that a lot, huh? Kids sports. Yeah. But I have heard, uh, you know, and, and I get it. Okay, you know, you work hard all week long, and, and usually what they'll say is they'll, you know, they say, man, you know, sometimes I, I work all week, Monday through Friday, sometimes I have to work Saturday, so Sunday is my only day. And that's right, that's true. But it, it, so then it's just a question of, you know, priorities and what it is that we're going to spend our Sundays on. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, the reason that I say this is, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to bag on anybody. What I'm talking to you about is the subtle influence of reasoning that takes place that gradually, again, it's, they, people don't intend it to happen. You with me? You know, I say, well, you know, he says the same thing. You know, I, I, you know, I know all about that or whatever the case might be. Well, some not, sometimes it's not about what I say. Sometimes it's just about being in his presence. It's, it's just having a devotion to him, you know. And, and um, you know, I like what Joe Morris said, you know, sometimes people look at church as a part of their life. And Joe was making reference to it, and he said, church is not a part of our life. It is our life, you know. Well, you know, for many, let's put it that way. So I guess the only reason that I say that is, is, you know, there, there's human reasoning that occurs and without knowing it. You know, Saul, when he was originally anointed, he, he never intended to, to follow up, did he? But over time, you know, same way with Uzziah, you know, I mean, as long as he served God, he did for the most part, but then he got filled with pride and arrogance, and he, he got in trouble too. So, um, got time for one more verse, only 8 o'clock. Good, thank you. All right. I didn't get a lot of response, so I'm just going to go with it. Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. And then we, I promise we will conclude. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 4. There's a couple of different words that I'm going to try to bring out here uh, in this writing that Paul had. And remember that Paul in this letter, when he was writing, and we're not going there, we're in chapter 2, but in chapter 3, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
huh? Teaching, monishing one another, you know, in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. But notice in verse 4, he says, This I say, lest any man should... King James uses the word beguile, okay? Does your Bible translation say something different? Deceive. Deceive, okay? This I say, lest any man should beguile or deceive... Um, Another way you could say it is cheat, cheat you. In other words, to plunder you or to take you captive. I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words or persuasive speech. Oh, you know, it's not that big a deal. Well, could be, you know, um, Let's keep going. I don't have time for example here. For though we be absent in flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus as the Lord, or the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therewith, uh, therein with thanksgiving. Now listen to this. Beware lest any man, what's the next word? Huh? Spoil. What, what did you say it said? Cheat. Okay. But beware lest any man spoil you. Don't you find that an interesting word? How that someone can actually influence your life in a way that spoils you, sours you, um, you know, whatever. But notice again what it says here, beware lest any man spoil you through, King James says, philosophy and vain deceit. One, sen- one translation says intellectualism and nonsense. Huh? You said college? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a real truth to that, Mary. Because you got young people, they don't know straight up from Sikkim right now because they've been influenced. And that's exactly what's happening. Beware lest any man spoil you uh, through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the, uh, King James says, rudiments of the world or basic principles of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in him, which is the head, hallelujah, of all principality and power. Uh, Let me read it to you from um, the New Living Translation. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built upon him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thanksgiving. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lies um, all the fullness of God in the human body, and you're complete, and so on and so forth, with you because of your union. All right.
let's make room for him, shall we? Let's make sure that we're making room for him. And here's some suggestions what I mean by that for God within our lives. Through times of reading and study and meditation, uh, you know, in the Word. Just think about the Bible, you know, and what it says. Seasons of prayer and seeking. Being obedient in our witness and reaching out to others around, uh, that are without Him. Being a blessing to those that are in need. Seeking the community of faith and fellowship with those who love Jesus. Uh, church engagement and attendance, we talked about that. And sharing the blessing of God with other people. Those are ways that we can, you know, make room for him in our lives. Can you say amen? amen. Let's all stand together. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Glory to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we just want to thank you tonight because you've equipped us, Lord. You have enabled us. But, Father, you've also instructed us. Father, let the examples that we have within this, the richness of your word, help to guide us in the way you'd have us to go. Father, help us to put the things uh, that are in our life on pause and just stop um, for a moment and make room for you in our lives. Father, I want to thank you for the church. I thank you, Father, for everyone that's made it their home. May their lives be blessed. Those that couldn't be with us this evening, Father, we pray for them as we pray for those that are here tonight. And Father God, we're asking you by the Holy Ghost, Father, to, to speak to each and every heart and every mind about these matters. And Father, may it become settled within them about these values and, and these priorities. And God, I want to thank you that as you do this, Father, that you'll come to them and that you'll minister to them, and that you'll bless them, that it won't be difficult, it won't be hard. But God, it'll be because of decisions and choices that they've made that your goodness and mercy, Father God, will follow them all the days of their life, all the days of their life, all the days of their lives. And Father, I just want to thank you for your blessing tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Goodbye, beloved.